What's up, everybody? I hope you guys are doing well, and I pray that you feel the love and presence of God in your life today. I pray that God moves in your life, and I ask that God gives you the discernment or ability to see Him moving so that you may know that He is at work in your life even when you don't realize it. Okay, today we're going to talk about honor over opportunity. We touched on this briefly in yesterday's podcast, but today we're going to take a deeper look at David's choice to not raise his hand against Saul. There is much to be learned from the life of David, and today we're going to take a look at an, at an important perspective that David will teach us about how you look at opportunities. Not every opportunity can be equated to, give, to God giving you permission. Sometimes they are meant to test your position. Okay, so let's get a little background, uh, a little backstory going on for contextual purposes. Um, Israel was a theocracy at one point. They had no king or ruler, you know, just a prophet who would relay the word of God and, com- and commands of God to the people. So God basically ran the country, okay, through a prophet. But the people saw that the other countries had a king and they decided that they wanted to be like the other countries too, and they wanted a king of their own. And so, you know, wanting, you know, what someone else has instead of what God has given you is, we'll save that for another day. That's a whole nother lesson. But, you know, God heard the people and they cried out for a king. So God said, okay. You know, God chose uh, a man named Saul to be anointed as their first king. Now, to be clear, This was not God's perfect will, but it was uh, obviously within his permissive will. And he gave them what they asked for. And again, you know, that's a a whole nother rabbit hole that we can uh, go down on another day as well. Now, God chose Saul and had the prophet Samuel anoint him as the first king of Israel. Then, you know, then what happened was Saul eventually turned from God and did not follow his ways. 1 Samuel 15, 11 says, I regret that... I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. 1 Samuel 15, 23, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. God gave him clear instructions and Saul disregarded them because he did not truly have a heart for God's ways. Okay, so you have God who says, that he regrets making Saul king because he turned from uh, from God's ways. And then you have Samuel relaying a message uh, to Saul, letting him know that God has rejected him you know, as the king. So now God sets a plan in motion to have Samuel anoint David to be the next king. But this would take 15 years before David would finally be seated, or roughly 15 years before David would finally be seated on the throne as the king of Israel. And 13 of those 15 years, David would spend on the run trying to avoid being killed by King Saul. So here is David, whom God has chosen to be the next king, and the current king has been rejected by God, but it's but is still on the throne at the time. And David has done nothing against Saul, nor has he made any attempt to take the throne away from Saul. Yet Saul pursues him for more than a decade trying to kill him. So, okay, at this point, you should be able to begin to see that David would have been justified in killing Saul given the the opportunity, right? 
Well, on at least two occasions we know of, God presents David, um, or David is presented with that very opportunity, an opportunity that his men encouraged him to take, or at least let them take. Both times David rejects the opportunity, and he doesn't let his men have it either. One such opportunity arises in 1 Samuel chapter 24 when David and his men are hiding in the back of a cave and King Saul goes into that very same cave to relieve himself, not realizing how vulnerable he is at that moment. Look at what David's men say to him in this moment. In 1 Samuel 24 verse 4 it says, The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Okay, David had an opportunity and his men saw it as a God-given opportunity, a sign that God wanted David to strike Saul down, so to speak. But David doesn't see it the same way. Verse 5 through 7 says, after David was uh, conscious, conscience-stricken, so he felt guilty for having cut off the corner of Saul's robe, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Now, David felt guilt just for cutting off a piece of Saul's robe. So there's no way he was going to to kill uh, Saul. But why did David see it differently from his men? Why did David not seize the opportunity? David would later get yet another opportunity to, opportunity to kill Saul. And 1 Samuel chapter 26, when he and one of his mighty men, Abishai, go right into the middle of Saul's camp with thousands of soldiers and everyone is sleeping. And David and Abishai walk right up to where Saul is sleeping. And it says that there is, you know, Saul was sleeping on the ground and there was a, and Saul's spear was, was stuck in the ground right by his head. And they were standing there in 1 Samuel 26, 8, Abishai said to David, God has handed your enemy over to you today. Let me pin him to the ground with my spear. One stroke is all I need. I won't need a second one. Now, Abishai is a bad dude. And I mean, like he's a, he's a tough guy, brave guy. And he's one of David's mighty men. And he has no hesitation with killing someone for David. But you see that same statement here, like before in the cave. Abishai says, look, God has handed your enemy over to you today. But look at David's response in verses 9 through 11. But David said to Abishai, don't kill him. No one can lift a hand against the Lord's anointed and go unpunished. As surely as the Lord lives, David continued. And he said, it will be the Lord who will strike him down or his day will come and he will die or he'll fall in battle and be destroyed. The Lord forbid that I lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. So twice David was given the opportunity to kill Saul, and both times he rejected it and would not let any of his men do it either. Now, why did David see it differently than those around him? They looked at Saul as the enemy, therefore interpreted the opportunity as being God-given. In their eyes, it must be the will of God. 
They saw the opportunity as permission, but David saw it as a test of his position. God never instructed him to remove Saul from the throne or to kill him. David understood that God put Saul there and God would remove him when he sees fit. I think David understood the test. Sometimes opportunities present themselves not as a sign of of permission, but as a test of submission. David shows us that even though we have an opportunity to do something, it doesn't mean God is granting permission. He may be testing you in the area of submission. Will you submit to God's will for your life? Will you submit to God's ways or methods? If you take the opportunity, will it keep God in the driver's seat or will it put you in control? You see, if David would have killed Saul, he would have assumed he would have assumed control over his life. He would have taken control out of God's hands and he would have had he would have been in the driver's seat. David understood his position and he understood God's position and he did not want to take control of something that was not his to control. David kept God in the driver's seat. I believe that David approached these opportunities from a position of honor and humility. If I take this opportunity, how will it honor God? Will it keep God in the driver's seat or will it put control back in my hands? It It makes me think of that saying, stay in your lane. David was trying to stay in his lane and not drift into God's lane. If God is in control, let him be in control. And when he presents you with an opportunity, weigh that opportunity on the scales of honor and humility. Will it honor God? Will it keep God in the driver's seat? Will it cause me to swerve out of my lane? God, thank you so much for your word and the wisdom we gain from spending time in it. I pray for you know for your people, Lord, and ask you to grant us wisdom and discernment. Help us to look at every opportunity from a position of honor and humility. Help us to stay in a lane, in our lane and choose honor over over our desires. May we find hope in you. May we trust in your promises and faithfulness. As we climb the ladder of success, let us not push you out of the driver's seat. When opportunities arise that would not honor you or would cause us to drift out of our lane, give us the wisdom and strength to reject those opportunities and see them as what they are, a test of submission. You, God, are in control, and in you we place our trust. Guide us in your ways and direct our steps. And may we always be faithful to give you all the glory and honor and praise. Amen.